and welcome to the Arsgog Foundation's Ask About Arsgog podcast series. The Arsgog Foundation is the world's only patient and parent-led organisation for the X-linked rare genetic condition Arsgog syndrome. We support patients and their families across 34 countries and counting. Our Ask About Arsgog campaign seeks to raise awareness around the importance of early diagnosis for children and raise funds towards vital research critical to their future development, health and education. Today we are speaking with Velvet. Velvet, please introduce yourself. Hello, Lisa, and hello, everyone. Um, my name is Velvet, and I am a mom to three boys. One of them, my middle child, um, he just turned five. He has Rs cards. And I'm I'm glad to be a part of this foundation. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Velvet, for taking some time to speak with us on the podcast series. So you mentioned there that it that it's your middle son. When did he receive a formal diagnosis of Arskog syndrome? He actually received his formal diagnosis in November of 2019. I want to say it was around the 26th. It was about two days before the Thanksgiving holiday here in the U.S. It took us a while to get a diagnosis. Um, we were like anxiously waiting because in order to get his diagnosis, we actually did a clinical exome test. Um, and it actually was a trio because um, my husband and I also submitted DNAs just in case uh, our, our DNA showed something that his didn't. And we were like waiting because they had told us two months and we submitted in, in August. And I just kept calling and bugging the doctor <laughs> to see if the results were in. Um, and yeah, I mean, she she finally called us back. She said it took her about a week to call us, um, only because my son is her first Arscargs patient. She has, uh, as a geneticist, she has never encountered this um, genetic condition. She had heard of it, but never had a patient with it. And she was, you know, just trying to get information for us or, you know, learn a little bit more before she called, before she actually called us. And do you find that's quite common, Velvet, with, with any sort of medical appointment that a lot of professionals don't know what Arsgog is? Yes. When I do mention that's this condition, um, they, they're kind of like, what is that? And I'm just like, oh, you know, it's, you know, a rare genetic uh, condition and it has to do with his growth and, you know, some other features that he has. But yeah, they just kind of look at me like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so for a lot of them, it's it's the first time they ever hear about it. So, And what did you first notice ab about your son that sort of made you think, you know, that there's something maybe a bit different about him? Maybe he does have some sort of condition? Well, um, at birth, he, he has a pectus, so his chest is kind of open. I did notice that, and I, I mentioned it to the doctor, like, um, you know, his chest, you know, and they told me, oh, it's because he's really thin. Um, he was about 2.7 kilograms, uh, a little bit under six pounds, and he was 48 centimeters, a little bit um, more than 48, uh, like 19 inches here in the U.S., and they told me, oh, he's just, it's because he's just really thin, and um, when he puts weight on, he'll be okay, so I kind of was like, okay, I forgot about it until about six months. Um, we actually ended up moving cities when he was five months old. So for his six month um, well child appointment, um, it was a new doctor, new pediatrician who hadn't seen him. And she's the one who mentioned to me um, 
we were doing his, you know, checkup and she was checking his growth from four months to six months. And she did tell me that it was, that there really wasn't that much growth. He really didn't gain that much weight or in height. And then she kind of told me like, I don't want to offend you, but um, is it okay if I send you to the geneticist? Because he has some features like mainly his wide set eyes, his, um, he has like a broad forehead, his little nose, and he has those set ears. Um, and she's like, um, is it okay if I send you? Because I feel like maybe he has a genetic condition. She was specifically looking like m maybe like proportional dwarfism. Um, mm -hmm. So she did send me to the geneticist um, because of that. But I honestly, just at birth, I noticed his pectus. But I really didn't think anything of it since they told me, oh, he'll, he'll, he's just really skinny, you know? And I didn't think about anything until his six-month appointment when I was told. I just thought he was tiny, small, you know? Um, so I actually didn't get seen with the geneticist until he was about eight months. And that's when we kind of started our journey to try to get a diagnosis. And how was that journey, Velvet? Because I, I know for many rare disease patients, not just our skull patients, that can be quite a stressful and, and worrying journey to go through. Yes, it was. So at his eight-month appointment with the geneticist, they did a testing for, for uh, dwarfism. Um, that testing came back negative. Um, so I got sent back to the doctor here in the U.S. Um, he get he gets seen again at nine months for just well visit. Um, so at his nine months visit, they he had already been seen and they had already received the results from the testing saying that, you know, he doesn't have dwarfism. So the doctor was just kind of like, well, the geneticist says he's OK. So she basically turned to me and was like, then he has failure to thrive. And that's your fault. <laughs> kind of like you're not oh, feeding your child. That, that's yes. quite a, a statement to receive as a mother. Yes, I was very like, I was traumatized. Like I didn't like, I just looked at her and I didn't say anything to her. But as soon as I left the office, I just, I was just crying. I was a mess because it was like, how is it my fault? Like I feed my child, you know, like, um, she was just like, because I, I, I breastfed him. So she's like, you need to stop breastfeeding him and feed him more solid food and like telling me other stuff. And um, from there, she she sent me to like a dietitian. <laughs> she sent me to a dietitian. The dietitian, you know, I went to the appointment and she was just telling me, oh, yeah, just add oh, as much toppings to his, his food, like cook everything with butter, <laughs> put, you know, cream on everything I, it was just kind of like oh my god my husband went with me and he was just kind of quiet because he's like wow they like want us to clog our son's arteries <laughs> yeah because she was just saying like you know use butter use cheese on everything he's like so it's kind of like oh, okay he was only nine months so it was just like a little bit too much and from there every time I went to the well well visit child uh, child well visits exams I just I just dreaded going because I felt that, you know, she was going to be telling me stuff, the doctor. Um, and she kept, she would, she would actually at every visit. It was like, he's not gaining enough weight. Um, she even went so far as to tell me, like, if he doesn't gain enough weight, we're going to have to put a feeding tube in him, like a G-tube. Um, and I was just kind of like, but, you know, my son is healthy. He, he eats. And um, especially as he started walking and he became more active, he, um, He's pretty high first, so I would tell her, you know what, he burns more calories than what he consumes. 
So, you know, I obviously, she, I told her, I told her, I asked if she could send me to, um, like, get a, a developmental um, assessment to see if you had any de developmental delays or if maybe they can help me and, you know, like, tell me, yes, you know what, it's not you, there is something else, you know. So I did ask her for that. Um, I did get, you know, I did go um, to the developmental um, assessment. They said he had a little bit of, like, motor skill. His fine motor skills were not where he should be. Um, and there was actually a neurologist on their team who she came and she saw him and she told me like the same thing, you know what, I, I feel that he has a genetic condition, you know, just, you know, his eyes like you know, widely spaced. Um, and actually she even told me I hadn't noticed, but he has the palmers on one of his the crease on one of his um hands. He only has one line. And I hadn't noticed. So she told me, No, there's something here, like go back to your doctor and ask for the geneticist again. Um, so I, I went ahead and I did that this time when I went to the geneticist and she, she hadn't noticed his hands, his hands either. She kind of looked at him more, um, more in depth because, you know, she was going off like saying, okay, short statured and that's about it. Um, so when she looked more at him, she was thinking, oh, you know what? He might have something called Lunas. Um, so she, she's like, let's do a test for that. So we went ahead and, and, um, did a, a genetic testing for Noonan's um, and waited for the results. And that came back negative. So then she did a wider panel for, um, it would be more like um, Razzlepaths, uh, which is, is a lot of different genetic conditions that have to do, that have short statute and, you know, other similar features um, as our scars. And that came back <laughs> negative. Um, so, but you know what, that did get the geneticist kind of like on my side thinking, you know what, there is something, you know, and she's like, maybe it's, it could be some type of mosaicism, um, of one of these genetic conditions and that's why it's not coming up or, you know, but she's like, I just want to keep seeing you and keep, you know, and once she kind of gave me that reassurance that, you know, it, there is something genetically at play here, um, his pediatrician kind of backed off of me and was like, okay, you know, but she would still be like, but he still needs to gain weight and he still needs this. And he's, you know, so, I mean, I just, you know, she sent me again to the dietitian when he was about um, 18 months and it was, you know, the same thing, like assessing what he eats and giving me suggestions for more high calorie food. Around this time, I also asked for um, speech therapy because he, he would say words, but he, his vocabulary was not as extensive as it should have been. <clears throat> so I did get, you know, some speech therapy. And because of that, I actually qualified for something here in the U.S. that's called Early Head Start. And I met a wonderful teacher who she, she also helped me. Like she kept encouraging me to, you know, like not let the doctor get to me and, um, like not worry that you know you know she would she would reassure me that my son was healthy and happy and whatever even if he had a genetic condition that it was okay um and she kind of kind of helped me like no you know don't let her do this to you like do like this like this she she was she's a she's an older woman and she has a lot of experience working with families many years so you know I I'm glad I found her and she she did help me and since I couldn't get a an actual diagnosis I um also reached out to 
another wonderful foundation, um, the Magic Foundation. Um, and I asked them, you know, they actually do free assessments and I sent sent them my uh, son's information. They did also look at all his stuff and they did say, you know what, you know, yeah, he, there is something here. Um, they, they specialize in like small gestation and um, uh, another condition I can't remember off the top of my uh, my head right now, but um, they told me that it, you know, they, that he was on their scale somewhere, but it wasn't enough to fit into their description. So um, I did take that back to the geneticist and she's like, well, that's when she was just kind of like, well, you know what, let's just do a clinical exome um, and see if anything is on there. Um, and she did suggest doing the trio just in case like maybe I was a carrier for something or my husband and it wasn't showing up on our son, like if it was mosaic and it didn't show up on him, but it showed up on us. So that's what we went ahead and, and, and did to, to finally get a diagnosis. Um, and when she got the diagnosis, she was, you know, like, wow, this is the first one I've had. <laughs> you know, she's like, she's like, I remember learning about this, you know, back in college when, you know, I was doing my, my work, but I've never actually seen it. Um, and from there on, it was like a little bit, you know, a relief for us that at least, we know, he has a diagnosis and we could kind of, you know, know he is his outcome instead of being like a mystery to us like oh what does he have is something you know gonna is his health conditions gonna like deteriorate or anything um it, while we were in the process of waiting for the test the geneticist also did send us like to um, the cardiologist to make sure he didn't have any heart problems um to audiology to the ophthalmologist just to check him do like a complete check also because you know, she, she was still kind of on like, okay, so he does have something, but we don't know, just to check him out. And she did say like children with heart conditions sometimes don't grow because they use all the extra calories to compensate for for um, their heart conditions. So luckily my son doesn't, ha doesn't have anything um, with his heart. So that was also reassuring. Um, it was I mean, it sounds like such such a, a difficult journey to, to go through and the fact that you had um you know medical professionals telling you that you know you're not you, you know giving your child all the nutrients and and the, the food that he needs I mean that's a really tough thing to hear as a parent and I you know take my hat off to you Velvet you and your your partner that you you know kept on fighting and said look this isn't right there's there, there's something there's something not right here um and I guess it's such a huge relief when you do get okay. that diagnosis that 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 is you know that kind of light at the end of the tunnel yes it was yes and um after that like we I mean since he was still really small the only other uh, treatment we we did kind of ask and consider was um growth hormone treatment for him. Um, the only thing is that um, while we were in our journey to get a diagnosis, I did notice he has a lot of cafe spots and then he started getting like auxiliary freckling and other stuff like that. And I did mention it to the geneticist. So they were also kind of considering um, a possibility of him having NF1, so neurofibromatosis type one. Um, they did the testing for that, but it came back negative. So she said it could be just maybe mosaic on that because it was you know like he he did he was getting more cafe la spots and auxiliary freckles and everything um so currently we don't have a diagnosis of that but there's still a possibility unfortunately with covid 
the lab that would do the testing for um, mosaic or segmental um, NF1 is, is closed right now. So um, he would actually need to be diagnosed through skin biopsy if it's if it's you know segmental or or mosaic so um we don't have that so that was one of the concerns in getting growth hormone treatment because if he has nf1 that's you know like little tumors that grow at the end of the nerves um he would have a chance of the growth hormone accelerating the growth of tumors because usually people with nf1 um once they go through puberty and all the hormone changes is when they'll start getting the little tumors under their skin or, you know, having the problem with their condition. So um, he did get a, an MRI scan to check him, um, to check his brain, um, check his spine and make sure everything looked good. And we actually were able to get him on growth hormone treatment. He will have one year um, this September next month. He started September 28th of last year. And he's actually been responding to the treatment very well because he was actually in 18 month clothing and now he's in, in 3T, almost 4T. So he's growing about two centimeters every three months and it's like really exciting. Well, that's great news that that's working really, really well for him. Um, and you mentioned earlier as, as well, Velvet, a wee bit that, you know, as a younger child, he, he could be a wee bit hyper um, and, and would kind of burn off lots of, of calories. What was it like parenting a child with RSCOG? Because many RSCOG children, you know, do suffer with ADHD and other sort of um, conditions as well that, that can affect their behavior. Yes, he is extremely hyper. <laughs> So um, he, since he's been in little preschool, um, they have told me that he, he, even though he's hyper, he can be redirected. So he hasn't really been formally like uh, diagnosed with ADHD. Um, I did just, you know, go to the geneticist last month and I, we were talking about that because she did notice, you know, him jumping off, bouncing off everywhere. Um, and, um, you know, uh, obviously, she says we won't worry about that unless, like, maybe later on he's older and he really is hard um, to redirect, especially because since he's really thin and the medication for ADHD can suppress their appetite, we kind of don't, you know, we want to kind of stay clear from that. But when he was, you know, younger, also the reason I asked for a speech therapy was because of um, since he didn't communicate as well, I, I noticed he would get really frustrated. Uh, like he he would try to tell me something and I wasn't understanding what he was telling me and around around the age of two um, we had just started speech therapy so he was you know already in speech therapy but he started throwing these humongous tantrums and they would tell me you know it's because he's so frustrated that he can't communicate with you and it was he was extremely hard to to console he he didn't really have very good self-soothing so I actually got help um, by asking for behavior therapy um, so that that kind of, you know, helped with his tantrums, kind of, you know, helped him learn how to self-soothe. And um, we would use a lot of um, like uh, pictures, like uh, like little graphs with pictures um, because he did have a problem kind of with transition. So it's like, oh, look, first we're going to, you know, we're going to play for a little bit and then we're going to go to lunch and, you know. So he could see what his schedule was going to be and know what to expect. Because even though he knew like, hey, it's lunchtime, let's go eat. He didn't want to stop what he was doing. Um, but it, it helped a lot to get the behavior therapy. It helped him with his tantrums because um, it helped him like 
get my attention without him throwing himself on the floor. You know, like they showed him other things and also how to try to be more patient. And um, the, it was really helpful for, for that part. But, you know, his, his hyperactivity has just gone up <laughs> with his age. He's still, he's a kid, runs around in circles here in the house. He's climbing um, the furniture, <laughs> jumping off of the couches, off of anywhere. It's, you know, it's kind of hard sometimes when I, you know, I need to cook or I need to wash the dishes or do something else. It's, that's when he kind of is like, oh, she's not looking. Let me, you know, let me get up here. <laughs> uh, so and, um, like he's, he's absolutely bursting with, with energy. And I, I like his, um, his kind of thinking as well of, oh, mum's uh, busy with something else. Let's see what we can do. Um, but I'm so pleased that um, you've been able to get support in terms of the behaviour therapy and that they have sort of systems in place that can help him understand, as you say, the transition of different mm -hmm. activities, whether it's, you know, playing with something and then moving on to writing or then moving on to lunch, whatever that, that case may be. In regards to sort of the support that you got Velvet um I mean did you find when he went to like kindergarten and preschool that that there was a, a support there or did they kind of come to you for advice because they've never they've never dealt with an Arscog child before um well since he was mostly um undiagnosed um they you know they 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 would we would always talk me and the teacher um and the assistants they were really wonderful really lovely um and um since he, he in the early head start he would only go t uh, twice a week for only three hours and it was so that also to help him with his speech uh but it did kind of help him also um be away from me and learn learn to be away from me and learn you know to follow rules and you know so that was really nice so they would always you know ask me like oh how's he doing and they were always concerned and they were supportive they were like some of the most supportive people I found especially after feeling so bad from the doctor telling me it's my fault and you know not really knowing anything so I mean he stayed in that school like uh, when he was three he did have to um he well, actually after uh, yeah he he had to go to preschool so he was there um with his um early head start when he first received his diagnosis and he was only there for a couple of months more since the school year ends in may and he he turned uh three in july so then he he started the school um year when he was three at, at preschool but that teacher too i did let her know you know what he does have a condition so he and i did tell her you know what part of it is his hyperness um but so his new teacher she didn't have a problem redirecting him she did say he was he did try to see how far he could get away with stuff you know but she was also really nice and and supportive with him um and i think they kind of you know i i told him he has a genetic condition but i don't feel that they like really focused on that you know and just he was just treated like any other child and I mean, they obviously understood that his hyperactivity or their little ways he was uh, could be because of his syndrome, <laughs> but they were, you know, all very good professional staff and they, they knew how to um, handle situations with him. And I never had a problem with that. And, um, and, and then from uh, preschool, once he turned four, he was in a different class, you know, and I always worried about him transitioning because it's a new environment, new class, new people. And I, I mean, for any child, that's really hard. So 
it's just I always would worry about that but his last teacher for when he was four um they were very also very wonderful and it was a little bit hard because it was the first half of the year was in zoom and they barely went back um this past april to in class i i did choose to send him to in class because on zoom since he's very hyper it really didn't grab his attention you know some of the songs or stuff like that he'd go and he'd sit down and want to watch and then he'd lose attention and be off playing in the corner or you know and it's kind of hard because we have his toys here and he just would go grab them say oh this is my toy you know and i would take them away and be like no we need to listen and i would have to sit with him or my husband would have to sit with him um so he could kind of like want to do stuff so when when he did go back to class he he did way he did way better you know he um he listened more to the teachers um and you know he he likes being more hands-on with with um the lessons and, and that really that really helped too so all of his teachers you know he's had three different teachers they've all been very supportive um and also when i've had the speech therapist um when he had occupational therapy and also behavior therapy they all had all wonderful therapists um they were all very supportive and even though you know his diagnosis of arscars is is very rare i just i i feel that just having you know all those therapies and all that help kind of just it made a difference it made it seem like he was just you know any like a normal child without a genetic condition oh that that's really good that he was you know being treated the same and and you got all that support as well that's a really a really positive outcome for, from him transitioning into school just to kind of um, finish up there, Bill, is there anything you would tell your younger self, you know, if, if you could go back in time and speak to yourself when, when your, your son was born or, or when you were going through the diagnosis journey, um, do you have any snippets of, of knowledge or wisdom you would want to pass on? I would just definitely tell myself to um, just keep persevering through everything and that, you know, all the worrying and crying. Um, it, it, I mean, it was really something hard to deal with, but, you know, that maybe I shouldn't worry myself so much because in the end, you know, my son is, is he's healthy and he's happy um, regardless of his, his genetic condition. And definitely also the support was really, was really important. Um, and look for look for that support. I actually once I found out he had his diagnosis, that, that's why I also reached out to to the foundation since not nobody really has heard of this genetic condition. I was like, well, what better place to you know get get some help and knowledge than than the Arscark Foundation? So definitely just find that supporting system and not to worry so much because in the end everything is is going to be okay. Well, that's a fantastic wisdom thought to, to sort of end on there, Velvet. And thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. Oh, well, thank you very much for, for allowing me to, to share with you. That's great. Thank you, Velvet. Thank you. Thank you.